This podcast was recorded at Redemption Alhambra Village in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Redemption Alhambra Village, visit redemptionaz.com. So if you don't know me, my name is Pastor Wes, and I am one of the elders here at Redemption Alhambra. And it's pretty cool because this morning I get to wrap up a series inside of a series. If if you're just joining us, we're going through the book of Romans, starting from Romans chapter 1 all the way to Romans chapter 16, and we're going through the entire book. And what most scholars have done, oh, and today we're going to be in Romans chapter 11, by the way. So Romans chapter 11, verse 33 to 36. So what most scholars have done is they they broke down the entire book of Romans into three sections. They uh, broke down chapters 1 through 8 in which Paul is addressing both the Jews and Greeks about the ugliness of sin and about the power of the gospel and about the promises from God to believers. Then next they break it down into chapters 9, 10, and 11. And this is where Paul goes through great lengths to show the sovereign plan of God, not only for us, but especially for ethnic Israel. And I hope that you're praying for Israel. Then lastly, what they do is they break down chapters 12 through 16, which Paul begins to teach us how to live godly lives on a more practical level. So this morning, I get to wrap up that middle section, if you will, chapters 9, 10, and 11. And as I spent time reading and meditating, praying and contemplating on Romans 11, 33 through 36, there were three things that came to me. Probably more than three things, but for the sake of this sermon, I made it three things, okay? So three things that I wanted to highlight. And the first thing is this. Oh, look, they're one step ahead of me. I love that. First thing is this, that God's riches, knowledge, and wisdom are very deep. They're very deep. So deep, in fact, that it would appear as if they were hidden to the person that does not have the Holy Spirit within him to actually see just the surface of God's deepness, of his riches, knowledge, and wisdom. My mind was blown when I was able to analyze where I truly am in my understanding of Jesus. Not that my foundation of understanding runs super deep, because believe me, it's pretty shallow, which is why I have to cling to Christ always. But through meditation, I was able to stand on the edge of my understanding and look out to see what seemed like an infinite ocean of unexplored territory. I got reminded of that thought last weekend when I was standing on the shores of Huntington Beach in California, looking out into the ocean. My family and I, we got out of our car and we walked across the beach. We kept walking until the waters met the shoreline and that's where I had to stop walking. And then I was standing there looking out into the ocean. Then it dawned on me, if I had the right equipment, if I had the proper tools necessary, there is so much more that could be explored. There's so much more that can be happening. But because I don't, I'm standing right here. And I know for certain that there's so much more that I could have experienced at that moment, but I didn't have the proper tools. And so it is with the riches and knowledge and wisdom of God. There is so much more. Second thing that stood out to me in this text, it came to me as I was laying in my bed praying to God, and as I was staring at the ceiling, this thought just hit me. 
the plan of God, it stretches from eternity's past to eternity's future. Something that could help us understand a little bit more of the depth of the knowledge of God is this, that everything that is happening in the world today and in the universe around us is going according to God's plan. He planned it all. It was all planned before anything was ever created. Now, I say that with my mouth, and we hear that with our ears, and we nod our heads yes in agreement. But for us to truly believe that and live our lives according to that belief, help us, precious Holy Spirit. And the third thing that illuminated from the scriptures and pretty much screamed at me was this, Jesus is God. Laus Dio. Laus Dio is Latin for praise be to God. Jesus is God. All praise be to God. And if someone is studying theology, especially if they're going through Romans 9, 10, and 11, and they think when they're done studying it that, you know what, I am a really smart person right now, then they've missed the entire point. Theology should lead us out to cry, Laus Dio, praise be to God. Should draw you away from yourself and fix your eyes on the praise and glory of God. That's what theology should lead us to. Now, if you would, open up your Bibles to Romans 11, 33 through 36. The reason I rub my head so much is because I get overwhelmed with the beautifulness of God. It hurts my brain. So Romans chapter 11, verse 33 through 36, and if you would stand with me as we honor the reading of God's word. This is Paul being inspired by God's spirit, and he penned this after writing theology, after understanding the theology of God, he penned this, Romans 11, 33 through 36, it says, Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this doxology is a small, humble reminder of the huge vastness of your glory. What we're doing right now is we're simply tilling your surface and enjoying the fruits of your garden. We're enjoying the fruits of your garden, which roots have no end, which means we forever eat. Father, may a glimpse of eternity be seen today through the magnifying of your son Jesus. May salvation reign today through the power of of your gospel being proclaimed. Father, to you be all glory, honor, and power. Laus Dio. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You guys may be seated. So if Romans 11, 33 through 36 is a response to all that Paul covered in, verses, in chapters 9, 10, and 11, it would be wise for us to at least glance at a few things that Paul went over in those chapters. What do you think? All right. So in chapter 9, Paul teaches us that the word of God did not fail Israel. 
He taught us that our view of who Israel is might be slightly off because not all who are offspring of Abraham are true Israelites, but through Isaac, God's children will be named. Paul shows us that it's according to God's purpose and election that any of us are ever saved. It has nothing to do with our own will or our own might or our own desire, but it has everything to do with God and his choice and his choosing to save us. And in chapter 10, Paul expresses his desire once again for his people, the Hebrews, to be saved. Paul lays out the plan of salvation. He says that if you, can, if you confess with your mouths, Jesus is Lord, and believe with your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Chapter 11 then moves on to the omnipotence of God, the all-powerfulness of God. Paul shows us how God is very God over both Jews and Gentiles. Paul shows us in Romans 11:32 that God consigned disobedience to both Jews and Gentiles. So God could have mercy on both Jews and Gentiles. If you think about it, in the Old Testament, the Gentiles wanted nothing to do with God. Now think about it. After Jesus, Jews are struggling with God. God has mercy on us all. This was and still is God's plan from the beginning. You see, God is the one that chooses his children. God is the one that changes their hearts. God is the one that gives them faith to believe God is the one that will graft them in and cut them off. God is in control of all things, all the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. I can imagine Paul speaking these words as his scribe is writing them down and then realizing because he realized that God is indeed Lord of all. And through Jesus, God is reconciling all things back to himself. Man, it's interesting. It's interesting that Paul says, the depths of God, the deepness of God. We must understand that as humans, we are finite in our riches, knowledge, and wisdom. They're limited. Why? Because we are created beings. We're living in a created world limited to the boundaries that are set before us. As we go to the next slide, I wonder if they already beat me to it. No, not yet. Sweet. Go to the next slide here. All right, there it is, there it is. So speaking of riches, for your information, there are people in this room today that make a whole lot of money. They are well off, and I am not one of them, okay? But they are here, and they're in this room, and because they make a certain amount of money, they will get to experience things that many of us will never get to experience, but I am okay with that. My friend, even their riches, combined with that of the 10 wealthiest people in the world, it pales in comparison to the riches and treasures of God. And that's why they are in this room right now, because they realize that. It pales in comparison to the riches of God. What are the riches of God? One thing, God himself, he is the riches. He is the foundation so imagine with me for a second that we have in our possession a drill, a spiritual drill that can dig deep into the vaults of wealth. 
And as we begin to dig down and down and we go further down past the beautiful gems, the rare jewels, and we see the splendor and we're going down and we see all these riches that we've never seen before and we're in awe. And as we're digging down, we, we just hit, boom, the foundation, which is God. And we see the source of all things. And we stand there looking at the foundation for a thousand years because it is but a day to God. And we are in awe as his riches and of his grace and mercy are looking right at us. And we're looking right at it. And as we're in awe, the drill, it cuts back on. We're surprised that it cuts back on. We can't imagine going any further. We're only at the surface of an infinite foundation. So we don't stop because God is infinite. And so we've surpassed all the riches that this world has to offer. And now we are digging for all eternity into the foundation upon which true riches find their life and meaning. That's why in Romans 9, 22 and 23, it makes more sense in the light of this doxology. This is when Paul says in Romans 9, he says, what if God, desiring to show his wrath, and to make known his power has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction in order to make known the riches of his glory for the vessels of mercy which he has prepared beforehand for glory. God is preparing his children to behold and enjoy the riches of his glory. Oh, the depth of the riches of God. If we go to the next slide. What I want us to do is I want us to grab a hold of that drill again. Let's venture down into the depths of knowledge. Now, I know when I've reached my limit of understanding. I know when I'm reading a book that is just way out of my league. I know when I'm dialoguing with somebody on a subject that is just way out of my ability of understanding. I know these things because this huge black cloud or something just goes on in my mind and I can't compute, I can't think, I just can't function. And I believe that that is God telling me that there is so much more that you don't know. He humbles me because he always places others around me that have the ability to go deeper and deeper and deeper than me. And I know that that's true because in this passage that we're studying, Paul, out of all people, shouts, oh, the depths of the knowledge of God, it just runs so deep. Now, we don't fully understand the election of God, but one thing that we do understand is his election is according to his knowledge. Let's just go onto the surface of God's knowledge a little bit and see if we can try to understand this. You see, God created something out of nothing. God made the heavens and the earth. Creatio, ex nihilo, just means creating something out of nothing. God made man with his own hands from the dust. God purposed for us to see his redemptive work. Sin was the agent that God permitted to break us. The cross was the instrument in which God permitted to break his son. His glory, his power, his honor was displayed through the resurrection of his son, Jesus. And if we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe with our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. Oh, the depths of the knowledge of God. 
go to the next slide. What I want to do is I want to grab that drill one last time. And let's push our way down through wisdom's crust, passing its mantle, stopping for a moment, being mesmerized by its outer core. Then as we move, we're elated with much joy by the inner core. And before we know it, we have dug so deep that we crash into the awe of God's wisdom. We have pressed upon the foundation of his actions. See, wisdom is the application of just because you know something does not automatically mean you are wise. I know somebody that I dearly love that knows if she keeps smoking, she will die. She won't stop. History, I believe, is the proof of God's wisdom. The author of Hebrews writes as a benediction in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20. He says this, now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip us with every good thing. God had the redemptive plan of his elect mapped out before he created time and space. So when God actually created the heavens and the earth out of nothing, it was his wisdom that was doing the building. It was his wisdom that was speaking out. Let there be light. Every action that has taken place in your life is going according to the plan of God to magnify his glory. Every single thing that you've experienced, every single thing that has happened and is going to happen is happening because of the glory of God, for God's glory to be magnified. Now, if you break that down, it's very scary because not all good things happen to us. And as one of the many benefits of being a pastor, and I'm pretty sure Aaron can attest to this, is we get to meet a lot of people. We get to talk to a lot of people. So we get to know the good and the bad through people. And I just want to say, young girl, I know you've been sinned against. I know the unspeakable horrors on your face every time you close your eyes to try to go to sleep. I know the visions of the offenses. They dance around your mind and mock you. However, remember this. Vengeance is of the Lord. Every sin has been accounted for. God is wise in this matter in your life, and your stripes will be to the praise of his redemptive glory. Yeah. Young man, you've walked long enough. The riches of this world was but a mirage and has now faded. It's faded away, and it's left you weak, and cold, lonely, and indifferent. Young man, God's Wisdom is in front of you right now. He is actively transforming your heart through the power of his spirit so that you can hear him, so that you can feel him. And if God so chooses to bless you at this moment, you may see him, see him in Christ. 
See God in the nail-pierced hands. See God in the face that is unrecognizable because of the many fists that were pressed against it. See God being carried lifeless from the cross. See God raised from the dead to affirm his promises to his children. See God through the power of his spirit. Blessed are you when the spirit purifies your heart because you will see God. Oh, the depths of the wisdom of God. It's his wisdom. That's his actions. That's how he works. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable are his ways. His judgments can never be fully comprehended and his ways can never be fully interpreted. They are both impossible to completely understand. Think about this. Why is it that God would save us just don't know why. For we were his enemy. We've cursed him, profaned the name and work of Christ through our sinful, rebellious actions, yet he saved us. His judgments are unsearchable. Why is it that God would clothe us with the righteousness of his son? And through the death of Jesus, bring us life. And through Jesus being forsaken, bringing us reconciliation. I don't know why he does this, but his ways are inscrutable. In the beginning, it was God and God alone. And if all things are going according to his plan that he purposed by himself in the beginning, how dare we try to give God counsel? How dare us even think that if we were God, we would do things different. That mere thought shows the wickedness of our hearts. Forgive us, God. Paul goes to Isaiah in the Old Testament and borrows his question that was asked to the nation of Israel. Isaiah said, who has measured the spirit of the Lord? And what man shows him counsel? When Isaiah asked this question to the nation of Israel, it was on the hills of redemption. They were just told that they would be taken captive by Babylon, but the Lord will come and rescue them with his might. What a strange plan. Why even have them captured to begin with? So it is with Paul in Romans. What a strange plan of salvation. Why would God do this? Paul says, for who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Understand the audacity of us trying to counsel God, we really think that we have something to offer him. We have knowledge and wisdom that we could truly offer to God and he will pay us back. We really think that. This is the other question Paul asked as he borrowed dialogue from Job 41. This is when God was questioning Job. Job 41, 11. God says, who has first given to me that I should repay him? Whatever is under the whole heavens is mine. So Paul brings that train of thought over to Romans and says, I know that God loving Jacob and hating Esau before they were even born so that my works of election will stand. I know that that's hard to understand. I know that God saving people through predestination with no works of their own is tricky to grasp. I know that all Israel being saved goes beyond the scope of our comprehension, but who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor or who has given a gift to him that they might be repaid? God's plan, my friend, was established in eternity's past and continues into eternity's future and there is nothing 
nothing we can do about it and nothing we should do about it because all things work together for the good for those that love God and are called according to his purpose. And then we move into the last slide and I'm approaching the final point that I have. And I hope that you guys have already seen it. Jesus is God. Laos Dio. Oh, the depth, the riches and knowledge and wisdom of God. We understand that depth is the deepness. So deep that it may appear as hidden. Blessed is the person that walks in the field and finds the hidden treasure. Did you not know that all the riches and knowledge and wisdom of God, they are hidden in Christ? Colossians 2, 2 and 3 says that the mysteries of God are in Christ in whom all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden. All the depths of the riches and knowledge and wisdom of God, they are found in Jesus. Colossians chapter 1, 16, it says this of Jesus. It says that by Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, whether visible or invisible. Paul in Romans 11.36 says that all things were created from God. So all things are happening as a result from the plan of God, from the eternal plan of Jesus. Colossians 1.16 also says that all things were created through Jesus. Paul says in Romans 11.36 that all things are through God. So everything that has ever happened in the past, the present, and in the future is working through God. And in the words of C.H. Spurgeon in his sermon called Laos Dio, he says, everything is not God, but God is in everything. And nothing works or even exists except by his present power and might. You understand? He sustains us. So all things work through God from the eternal power of his spirit through the salvific work of Jesus, I hope you understand that. You see, Colossians 1.20 says that Jesus will reconcile all things to himself. Paul says in Romans 11.36 that all things will come back to God. Paul gives us the reason why all things will come back to God, and he says in Colossians 1.20, it's because he wants to make peace by the blood of the cross of Jesus. Laos I can see Paul in my mind gaining that revelation. He gained that revelation from God, and he had nothing more to say, but to him be glory forever. Amen. Oh, I pray when you gain riches, knowledge, and wisdom that you don't get puffed up, but all you can say is to him be the glory, the power, and the honor. Amen. So as we conclude this message and the band comes and we begin to prep our minds and hearts for communion, I want us to understand this. Understand that Jesus is the depth of the riches of God. In Philippians chapter 4, Paul expresses his gratitude to the saints at the church of Philippi. They were the only church that took care of Paul by sending him things in his time of need. So as he was thanking them, Paul says this in verse 19 of Philippians 4. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ. 
Oh, the depth of the riches of God in Christ. Jesus is the depth of the knowledge of God. It's not just an idea. It's not just a plan. But Jesus is the knowledge of God. He himself is the depth of the knowledge of God. Paul expresses his deep desire to know God. In Philippians chapter 3, he cries out, Whatever gain I had, I count as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Oh, the depth of the knowledge of God, Jesus. Jesus is the depth of the wisdom of God. There is a certain work There's a certain action that is performed from God that points us to his wisdom. The gospel of God is only found in his son, Jesus. Look what Paul says of the Jews and the Greeks as he's teaching them in the church of Corinth in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 22 through 24. He says, you know, Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Oh, the depths of the wisdom of God and Jesus. I'm going to end with this last visual. And if the ushers would come, we're going to get ready to take communion. I end with this. That drill that we had in the beginning was indeed a depiction of the Holy Spirit. That was the Holy Spirit moving. And the foundation we pressed upon was a depiction of Jesus. My friends, life starts with Jesus. And if you have not crashed into the foundation of love, mercy, and grace... I urge you to come up here and pray. We're going to have some brothers and sisters over there, and we want you to come up and pray and simply tell that person that, I want Jesus. I want him, and I want him alone. I'm sick of being offered things attached to him, like a good life and good health. You know what? My eyes are open, and all I want is him. I could care less about anything else right now. I want my Savior. I want Jesus. I want my Savior. I want Jesus. I want Him alone. If that's the cry of your heart, please come and pray. And let us all pray. Oh, the depths of the riches and knowledge and wisdom of you, God. God, we understand that it is Jesus. Everything good is Jesus. Everything that your plan strives towards is Jesus. God, my life and everything in it is built to magnify Jesus. Show me the Savior. Show me your Son. 
I want to live complete in you. God, I thank you for teaching us just the surface of the depth of your knowledge and wisdom and riches. Thank you, God, for showing us good theology that will provoke in us a praise that may not even be uttered in human words. Just something that steers our hearts to shout out to you and cry to you. Laustio, God. Praise be to you. Thank you for showing us, God, your face. Bless us, Father, and bless our time together, and bless our time on this earth. May we forever have our minds fixed on you, on you, precious Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.